G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and a CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts and Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, though, we are going to do something a bit different on Grad Chat. We are still interviewing two graduate students, but we're going to be talking about a very special project they are working on right here in Kingston, and they need your help. As they say, we invite you to join us on an historical adventure. So with that, I would like to introduce you to Sue Baisley, who's a PhD student in geography and planning, and who was on the show earlier this term. And Paulina Machuk, who is doing a who is a master's student also in geography and planning. So welcome to Grad Chat, both of you. Thank you for having us. Now, before we get on to the project, Sue, I understand you are a licensed archaeologist, so that fits well here with this project that we're going to be talking about later. And Paulina, what got you interested in doing this type of work? So, I'm a, and I'm going to spoil it a little bit into this work in archaeology and history what got you involved in that or interested you right so sue initially approached me about assisting with a summer project for restoring basically grave sites underground so who can say no to that really Um, (laughs) as someone with a background in physical and human geography and mapping and cartography it sounded like an interesting project and a way to investigate a different type of field site that i'm not quite used to Uh, rather than the typical sites I spend my time in, which is forests. In addition to that, some of the technology that I use, which um, one of those is is being uh, LiDAR, which is essentially a sensor um, that takes a 3D image of whatever area that you're looking at. It could also be used in helping record this site uh, so it can be sustained for the future. I thought it was a natural fit for someone like me to get more involved with some of the methodologies and technologies that I've used in the past. Well, that's pretty awesome. I'm not surprised Sue asked you to get involved with that. Yes, and and recognizing that Paulina has skills that I don't have, or I know about them, right? But I don't have the ability to follow through. So, or whether you even want to worry about that part, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about divide and conquer, isn't it? On projects like this, divide and conquer. So, okay. So, what is this mystery project, and where is it in Kingston? So the actual name of the project is a bit long and convoluted. It's a stage (laughs) one cultural resource recording project under the St. Paul's Church Hall at the Lower Burial Ground, Kingston, Ontario, and it's a public archaeology program. So St. Paul's is situated at the corner of Queen and Montreal Streets. Okay, yep. And it is actually the oldest um, surviving burial ground in Ontario that relates to the Loyalist period. And it's it's actually home to many of the earliest settlers who came to this area after the American Revolution in 1783. Wow. See, I I love history. So this is going to be fantastic for me to hear all about this because just a bit of a history buff myself. And I always like to hear a bit more about where I'm living because it's amazing these little things that go on here in Kingston or have happened in Kingston and we need to know more about it. So thank you for that. So talking about the history then, what else is the history behind the Lower Burial Ground established by 
is it St. George's Church first or is it St. Paul's? St. George's, George's Church. Church. So after the American Revolutionary War, uh, this area um, was used to settle the loyalists, uh, the, mm-hmm. the British loyalists, yes. loyal to the British crown, to the king. And people came to this area and the church, the first church to be established was the Anglican Church. And the St. George's Church was established right away. And of course, they needed to establish a burial ground. Right. So. The lower burial ground was established in relation to St. George's Church, but it was used for all faith denominations. And as you can imagine, there were various other people here, but everyone was buried in the Anglican churchyard or graveyard, I should say. St. George's Church is actually located across from on King Street from where the market is today. So it's not the same location as St. George's Cathedral. It's on the other side of the block. Oh, okay. Right, yes, because I was thinking the other way. Yes. All right. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So there were eventually other burial grounds established in Kingston for other faiths. So the Roman Catholics got theirs in 1808, and the nonconformists that were the Methodists, the Baptists, and the Congregationalists got theirs in 1827. But as you can imagine, there was uh, a a fair number of people being buried in the lower burial ground. So the upper burial ground eventually became established in 1825, and that was for the Anglicans, the Roman Catholics, and the Presbyterian. So a real mixed bag. Yeah. You're currently looking at the lower ground, burial ground, which is the one near St. Paul's. Who were some of the people buried there? Because you mentioned there were some pretty significant settlers. Right. So many of the early loyalist settlers uh, ended up there. Molly Brandt and relatives of Molly Brandt, the Cartwright family. um, So that was a big uh, family, well-established, that uh, were here in, in this area. The Stewart family and soldiers, prominent citizens, slaves that had been brought with the loyalists right so it was i mean it was the only place for people to be buried in this area during that early period so you you mentioned molly brandt and is that the same molly brandt family with the the brandt family we have here in kingston at queen's house? Is I that, believe they are the same family. So Molly Brandt and Joseph Brandt, you may be familiar with Joseph Brandt, yes. who eventually went down to the Grand River and established Brantford. Yes. They were, were brother and sister, and they both had houses built for them here in the Kingston area, Cataraqui, as it was called at the time, right. by the British government, because they were instrumental in bringing together the Mohawk people and some of the other uh, Iroquois nations to fight against the Americans during the American Revolutionary right. War. So Molly did settle here with her a number of her daughters who were married at the time, right. and her grandchildren also settled here. So yeah, that's, that is the same family. So it's the same family. Mm-hmm. And, and they're in... Other notable families who were buried in lower burial ground who we know of today or Kingstonians we know of today? Yes, so the Cartwright family. So Cartwright Point, there are Cartwrights still in the area. Right. Um, So that's a fairly prominent family. The Stewart family um, is another one. And Bonnie Castle. There uh, is an um, emeritus professor at RMC who is uh, a Bonnie Castle descendant from from uh, yeah from Richard Henry Henry Bonnie Castle, and also there's the Smith family. Now 
as you can imagine, there's lots of Smiths. Yeah, there's a pretty common name. (laughs) But this particular Smith family has uh, descendants who are um, affiliated with or part of the um, Paul Randolph Jewelers, which may be familiar to you in in LaSalle Muse. Right. Um, So even though the name's not the same, the family descendants. But it's still a relative. Yeah. See, fascinating. Love it. I mean, if you're a Kingstonian, it'd be great to sort of trace everything back, wouldn't it? I I would love to be able to do that. So let's get let's get on to the pro- the project that we're looking at and that you're undertaking this summer. Is this the first summer, first of all, that you've been doing the project, or is this an ongoing? No, this is um, this is the start of a new. This particular project so is a, a new, new project. project. The Lower Burial Ground Restoration Society has responsibility for the upkeep of the graveyard. Right. And they have undertaken a number of conservation projects prior to this. Uh, The cemetery itself and the church is surrounded by a stone wall and that's believed to be uh, quite an early date and it needed a fair bit of repair a few years ago. Right. A number of the monuments within the cemetery that can be seen have also needed to be restored and conserved. So they've been working on that. But this now is actually recording of a little piece of the cemetery that is not visible from the street. Right. And where is it? So this is located underneath a building, a structure that was built in 1872. Oh, okay. So if you can imagine, think about uh, a graveyard, a cemetery with the standing headstones and various monuments, and then think about basically filled up. And we just built so on top. you can't use it, really. You can't use it, continue to use it as a, as a burial ground. Right. So St. Paul's Church was built in the 1840s. On top of it? On top of it. Oh, wow. And Okay. Right. So this this was something that churches did, or congregations did. <laughs> Let's just build a church on top of the dead people. Build a ch- well, it's still, it's still kind <laughs> so, of holy, well, I mean, special ground. But you'd expect it to be more like crypts underneath, not just filled in and then built on top. Right. Well, you know, maybe- the burials were in rows. So right. presumably the foundations were built between Around the, the rows, barrels. yeah, because that would be an issue. Yeah, and then in 1872, the a Sunday school um, facility was built in the northwest corner of the existing plot. Right. And um, that is the church hall. Okay. So these are the remains of those burials, evidence of those burials that were covered over in 1872. So that brings us to what is the objective of the project? Because obviously you, you found that here's this graveyard that's been built on top of. So what is the the objective of the project that you want to do over summer? There's a couple of things with this. The construction of the church hall, first of all, likely did cause a little bit of damage okay. um, to to the that part of the burial ground. But subsequently there have been infrastructure, let's call them infrastructure events, such as um, fixing one of the walls, installing jack posts for support of the floors. So there's been a a bit of uh, an impact in there. Plus, uh, in about 1959, 1960, there was a connecting structure built between the church and the church hall. And so we know that that time burials were dug out. So in the area underneath the church hall, there's a mixture of standing um, headstones. Right. There's a lot of broken and scattered stones. 
So the objective here is to clean up that area, but do a proper recording inventory of all of those cultural resources that are under there. So we're not impacting the area. Right. We are cleaning it up and restoring essentially respect to that portion of the cemetery. So you're not just digging them up and moving them somewhere else. They're going to stay no. put. Are we just going to make it like you said, easier to, for people to sort of see who is actually there. That's right. And and part of the objective is to make the this portion of the cemetery accessible. Now, not physically accessible, right? but what we're calling, I guess, virtually accessible. Right. And so that's part of a big part of our recording that's that's going to be going on. Right. So as part of this, are there other records that you can look at right now to help you figure out who is actually there at the moment? Well, there are burial records uh, for the uh, Anglican Church. Part of the issue with the burial records is that once the other cemeteries start to come into use, there's no specification to say whether they're buried in the lower burial ground or the upper burial ground. Oh, don't they normally have like a tag number or something? Nope. No? No, that's a recent thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> apart from matching up the names that are in the burial record with the physical stones. Which could be difficult if the stones are broken or that's worn right. down. That's right. So mm-hmm. so that is a little bit of part of the aspect of, of the um, research that we will be doing and um, having volunteers assist us with. But we have to do a lot of photography. We're going to be doing traditional recording methods with uh, using x and y coordinates and mapping but we're also going to be doing some using some other other techniques in in types of different recording so we will be employing lidar as an example right which does what paulina Paulina. you you know all about this yes what's the lidar do so lidar fancy word It's not, I I wouldn't say it's as complex as it sounds. So LIDAR stands for Light Detection and Ranging. It's a sensor that you can use uh, to get basically a 3D image of the area that you're interested in scanning. So it takes pulses of lights and based on the distance it takes to return, it creates a virtual image made made up of thousands or even millions of points that you can then get a sense of how the area looks like without actually going there. I can speak to some of the other technologies that we're oh, that would be, be good using. if you don't mind. So we're also we're uh, teaming up with uh, Alex Braun and Rob Harrop from Geosciences, who have agreed to help us with the lidar and also something called GPR, which is ground penetrating radar. Okay, it's a technology that uses microwaves, or you can think of it as a type of light energy, to tell us what's beneath the ground and if, if the ground is disturbed which is perfect for mapping out the locations of grave sites, and it's often used for that. Right. We're also going to be looking into uh, passive seismic recording, and that'll help us determine how far beneath the ground is the bedrock, so we can get a better uh, understanding of how the area was formed and and how far beneath is the bedrock versus dust versus possible graves. Um, And so that's done in... uh, collaboration with a lot of different departments at Queen's. We're still in talks to do more collaboration with other departments and possibly get other people out to help us with the mapping. So it's really an a interdisciplinary approach that's, that's brilliant. taking a lot of minds from Queen's and kind of putting them all together. And an additional technology we'll be using, which is, <laughs> is photography. So we'll be using 
professional cameras to be taking in images so that we can just put them on the website, but we'll also be using light from different angles so we can get a sort of 3D image of some of the gravestones. So maybe some of the wording that has been harder to read will actually be a lot easier to read and we'll be yeah. aiming to put that on the web website as well. And that will be with the help of a PhD student, PhD student in the Department of Geography and Planning, who's Mark Usley. Excellent. So I guess the lighting, you have to bring in special lighting, whether it's for the photography or for the actual work or? The biggest issue is lights that don't give off heat. Ah, good point, because it's going to change. That's right. right. So we're looking at LED lighting. We have a very small budget, so we're we're hoping to approach some of our volunteers and other people involved with the society to loan lights. Right. Um, I was in yesterday putting in some some reference points, and we had a big a big work light that it was great. It was really bright, but it gave off an awful lot Too of much heat. Too much heat. Um, so that's one thing that we have to watch because we can't run fans in there because of the dust. Right. Yeah. And so, so the heat's an issue because of what it might do to the stones or because it's just going to be too hot in summer? It's too hot. Just too hot. Too hot when by the time you get a few people breathing mm-hmm. heavily <laughs> and yeah. hot lights and no fans, right. no air conditioning. Right. Um, although it is in the basement, so that could be, might could be, a bit be cooler. cool. Um, but yeah, we have, so we've got a few logistical things, but lighting is very important for the photography and for the LIDAR survey. Yes. And then for individual workspaces, so. That's great. Ah, See, all these things you don't think about when you're under there. You just think, oh, I just need a light. Easy, flick it on. And you forget the repercussions of just having some light. So, and and I guess you would have some historians in there too, wouldn't you? Who have maybe an interest in what happened in Kingston anyway? Yes, so we also have... People who are involved with the Laura Barrow Ground Restoration Society. So myself, I am a historical archaeologist, so that's combining history and well, archaeology. Well, that's handy to have you. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but also within within the Laura Barrow Ground Restoration Society, we have other area historians who will actually be involved in doing the training sessions for the volunteers. So we have Bill Patterson, who is an, a local area historian. He d- has done a lot of military histories. Okay. Uh, he's written a lot of which, books. Which makes sense. Um, you might be familiar with Lilacs and Limestones, I which have, is about yes. Pittsburgh Township, and he, he is the author of that. Okay. Um, we also have architectural historian Jennifer McKendry, who is um, an expert on early cemeteries in the in Ontario, actually, and has written extensively on cemeteries and grave markers. So she okay. will be speaking to us about the the types of images and carving that was done on on grave markers as well so we've got two two local experts coming in which is brilliant it is really brilliant well I, I guess with that we should talk about the fact I mean this is something you're doing over summer and with any project like this many hands make light work I guess we could say so even though you've got your experts there a lot of times particularly in archaeology you need a lot of people to help do the grunt work is that yeah. a, is that a nice way of saying it I don't know 
But well, you're looking for volunteers. We are looking for volunteers to assist with the project. This is, it's being called a, a community archaeology and history project or a public archaeology uh, project. So we are soliciting members of the community, mm-hmm. people who have an interest in history and archaeology, people who are interested in learning more about that site specifically. So right. there are people doing their own family histories and genealogical research. So we basically are interested in anyone who wants to commit a little bit of time to helping us with the cleaning and the recording. And it's also an opportunity, of course, to learn a bit more about some of the other technologies. Because when those surveys are being done, whoever is on the site will also be um, exposed to how that's done and what it is and and, uh, what they hope to uh, accomplish from those particular surveys. So I think all around, it's an absolutely fantastic opportunity for people to get involved, to learn a bit more about the history, to learn more about geological recording techniques uh, (laughs) that I then put into practice for on archaeological sites. And and really, I think, bringing together the community, so both the Kingston community Mm -hmm. and the Queen's community, to do a great little research project through June, July and August. So how many people are you looking for then? Because, I mean, if you think about Kingston and Queen's, there's a lot of people you could probably say, come on, come along and do this. But I mean, and from what you're saying, it can be any age can can put their hand up to help volunteer. But how many do you actually need without getting in the way of each other? Right. So we have a number of restrictions um, to the site. One is that we can only work in afternoons because of the church. It's an active church. So there are things going on. So the schedule will only allow us to be in inside in the afternoons. Mm -hmm. We also, because we are grad students, we have commitments to our own work and research. Really? Yeah, we do. (laughs) So we are limited to working for uh, maximum of 10 hours a week on this project. So any of the volunteers who are coming from Queens, any grad students particularly, are going to be in the same situation. We also have physical constraints in the space itself. The headroom mm. is on average, I'd say less than five feet. Okay, so you're crouching a lot of the time. You're crouching mm-hmm. and so what we want to do in in order to have um, good health and safety, we are only having people down there for a one hour period with a 15 minute break. Right. Um, one hour period, 15 minute break, one hour period for a total of three hours of actual activity up to three days a week. So That's we're going to be spread over a long period of time. And we recognize also that any potential volunteers are going to have restrictions on as, as their well. time as well. So we're not looking for people to commit to you know five days a week for three weeks at a time this is little tiny chunks right and um one of our i think one of our biggest logistical things that we're going to have to do is figure out the scheduling and how people Mm -hmm. can then um work into that recognizing that that people are not going to be available for extensive periods of time. And of course, we want to give as many people as possible an opportunity to be Which part is, of this project. Because then they hopefully will do some other ones as well with you. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned some training for the volunteers. So we're not just going to chuck them in there and go, you know, at, at the time go, can you just do this and show them one thing? You are going to give them proper training. Yes. 
with this training, and you said some of the your specialist people will be doing some of the training. Exactly, what are they doing in that training, and what's the time commitment with that? The training session is one hour. One hour. So we want well, to keep it. Brief. That's great. So the the training session will consist of a presentation on the overview of the history of the lower mm-hmm. burial ground. It's good to understand why you're there. That's right. An overview of um, early cemeteries and grave markers. Right. Uh, because people will be involved in recording the grave markers. That You've got to know what to look for. Yes. And um, we will be doing also outlining the, the procedures and the methods of actually what we're doing. So right. for people who are cleaning, people who are recording, um, we'll give everyone exposure to that mm-hmm. and um, to the specific activities. Of course, mandatory health and safety briefing. Yes, that's important. That's right. And then an orientation tour underneath right so all of that will be done within an hour so it's um not a huge time commitment for the training and we also recognize that when some people come to the training they might look at the space and realize they can't go under there but are there other other volunteer jobs they can do without actually being underneath can they do recording and things outside or input data and yes and that's we are actually compiling a list of alternate tasks for people right. to be involved with where they don't have to bend and crouch and crawl around underneath the uh, the church hall so we're it working can... on that list and okay. um, we do have some of those activities uh, we will be sifting through the dust that we remove we will be recording some of the other broken stones headstones that are in other areas of of the church right and there will be probably some some data input probably also a little bit of archival research and mm-hmm. matching up what we are identifying underneath with those burial records that already exist with some of the uh, headstones and things that you said are actually broken and maybe scattered not necessarily in the right spot are you at any stage taking some of those ones that aren't still in the ground so to speak bringing them out fixing them up and then putting them back or is that not allowed it has to they have to stay where they are that's right everything is going to stay under there we are not doing any restoration okay. work would that be something down the track potentially that's that's something that could be looked at as a future project but for now we are just documenting what is there and trying to provide as much information as possible so that that space can be accessed virtually virtually and i guess another question too because it's underground or underneath the building is is weather an issue there or is it actually protected so there's no water coming through or anything like that no it's very protected this in fact if you compare the stones from underneath to the ones that are outside it, it's incredible the difference is that um, right? okay. so you know there's been no weathering right f- since 1872 another um, reason why you don't want to bring them out that's right <laughs> uh, i mean it's missed they've missed the worst period of acid rain right um and they're for the most part, I, I'm going to say just from my recollection, they're all limestone, very susceptible to the elements. Mm. So having been protected for so long, in fact, the the information is on them is is pristine. So how do people sign up for this? Great Cause question. Because I've, <laughs> I've already put on our website the, the the URL to your website. Right. People, if they're interested, can email me 
at s.baisley at queensu.ca. Okay. Or they can email, contact us through the Lower Burial Ground Restoration Society through mm. the website. Right. We will uh, put them on the volunteer list. We are already running our first training session on Saturday, May the 11th okay. at 2 o'clock. Okay. Just so if then. people could get in touch with us and we'll send them the details for that. And we hope to have as many people as possible out to the first session because then we can start scheduling people in our in our great big huge right. three month schedule. Yes, we will be running additional training sessions through the summer, but we don't have those established yet. But as long as people are on our volunteer list, then we'll email out the information and um, right. and get people to come to the training session and then be involved Definitely. in the project. And you're starting June. The, yeah, volunteers will be starting in June. June. We are actually, right now, we're doing all the preparation work and some of the initial recording um, over the next few weeks just to get everything ready and, of course, preparing for the, the May 11th training session. Yes. Um, so we've got a few things on the go. But certainly if anyone is interested in at least even just coming to the training sessions. Yes, just to uh, see to what it's like. That, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So just contact us and we'll send them Yeah, because it's interesting because even if, people can't do it right now there may be another project that the lower burial ground restoration society may be doing down the track but uh, so anyone if you are interested i do recommend you go and check out their website Uh, it will be a great opportunity particularly in summer summer's coming hopefully and it will be nice for us all to do things outside or underground (laughs) whichever way you would like to put it so, uh, Sue, Paulina, been great chatting to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and good luck with the summer and this project. I think for Kingston, it's fantastic that you're taking on on this project. It can only be good for all of us and for all our tourism, I guess, because yeah. down the track, hopefully people will have a bit more of an idea of what went on here in Kingston. That's so right. thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Excellent. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, or Stitcher. Just type in a Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.